Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crip, the crowdfunding podcast. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, June 30th, 2014. And on this day in history in 1953, the first production model of the Corvette was built in Flint, Michigan. And for those of you who don't know, that's DJ Grandpa's favorite car of all time. Up first, we have Travis on Kickstarter with Amiculus, a super secret history of Romulus, the last ruler of the Roman Empire. Amiculus is a three-part series telling a lost history of the fall of Rome in AD 476. Our version, however, is from the point of view of Rome's last emperor, a 12-year-old boy named Romulus. Romulus's story is a mosaic of conspiracy within conspiracy, of bloodshed and betrayal, of, of tragedy and loss. And at its center is a mysterious figure known only as Amiculus. How's it going, Travis? Hello. I haven't done this in a while, but I believe that you deserve a DJ Grandpa crowdfunding video award. Oh, hey. Wow. Yeah, man, because that video was super cool, man. I mean, it had, like, special effects in it. The voice, the pitch, the editing, and I thought it was cool. And I know that you told me you had a friend that that is really good at that sort of stuff. And I'd like to mention his name, a videographer and a director friend of mine, Will Graver. Okay, now tell us a little bit, like, if I haven't explained to the audience well enough what Amiculous is all about. Amiculus will ultimately be a three-part series. This is the first volume that we're doing in this campaign. And it's portraying a lost history of the fall of Rome from the point of view of Rome's last emperor, who was a 12-year-old boy named Romulus, who was actually an actual historical figure. What this does is it takes a different tack. It takes more of a conspiratorial alternate history sort of view, which asks and presents the possibility that Rome may not have fallen, but was in fact pushed. And at the center of this, at the center of this great mosaic of conspiracies with a conspiracy, bloodshed, betrayal, tragedy, is this figure, this mysterious cipher known only as Amiculus. No one knows who he is, what his ultimate goal is, but the destruction of the Romans is what he is dedicated to. He is the one pulling the strings of kings, generals, and he is deciding the fate of Western civilization and who he is, why he is, what he's doing. That is the ultimate question and where it all ends up going. It makes me wonder, who <laughs> would benefit from the fall of Rome? Qui bono. But what of Lazarus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it makes me think of I once had a dream from every mountaintop, from every boy and girl. No, that really doesn't go with your story, but... You got some nice timber there to your voice. It's very good. You got a good orating voice. Your story is totally cool, man. Thanks. Oh, and the graphics are totally cool, because I can't leave that out. I mean, what is what is a graphic novel? What is a story? Well, there, I mean, there can be plenty of stories without graphics, but I'm just saying, what is a graphic novel without very cool graphics? The contrast of them. I am the writer and the creator of the series, but I'm working with an artist from Rome, actually, named Giancarlo Caracuzzo. Okay. He's a 30-year veteran of comics. He's done work for DC, Marvel, Image, IDW. He has 
And as you can see, he's very passionate about the project because it's his people, his ancestors, his city. <laughs> That's what he loves about it. <laughs> Putting everything into it. No, oh, I got you. His people, so he better get it right. <laughs> what would you say his name is? Giancarlo Caracuzzo. I was about to say, Giancarlo, this is a threat from DJ Grandpa. You'd better get it right since it's your own city. <laughs> I don't think we're in danger there. I think he's good. <laughs> okay. If I haven't given you a chance to get your message across, which is very important when anyone has a book, because it's like it's like it's been drilled into me ever since I, I was a kid. You know, like every program you turn on on television, radio, whatever. Whenever someone has a book, it's like the most important thing in the room, and they mention it a thousand times. So it makes me feel like I have to do justice to an author. So how would I do justice to you? One of the things I'd like to mention, if I could touch on some of the rewards for the project. You're trying to sell me something. Okay, what do you have that's good reward-wise? Most of the rewards are based around that fantastic art that you see there that Giancarlo has provided. Oh, serious? Yeah. Like, for instance, one of the reward levels, check it out on the page, you can be amiculized, which what that literally means is you can have a custom drawing of yourself done in the style of the book. Giancarlo will do that for you for this pledge amount. And uh, you can even be drawn into the book as a character at a different pledge amount. You can be immortalized? And you can be put into the book as a supporting character, drawn in the style of the book and the time of the book. I mean, getting, you know... And everyone in this would also get their own original character, like full character layout signed by the artist. For other levels, uh, it also includes like, you know, signed posters, signed copies of the script. Oh, I like that. I like that. The actual script. That'd be cool. Lots of great art. Lots of original art that's not available anywhere else uh, that you would have totally hangable something you can put in your you know in your living room your den show off your friends that sort of thing you know some great stuff and this is a graphic novel right yes not a comic i guess i prefer the term graphic novel i need to get in part though man i i, I watched a video but i don't think i can describe it well enough to people do you think you like might have a passage or something we could go over i mean in character you know i mean ham it up or something because this is not something you can just read this is not something you can just read and it be dry. Oh, sure, sure. You know, if you do, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it justice. It is a day given to us by God. Mother Italy, long enslaved to Gothic tyranny, smiles in his restored life. The armies of his adversary lie helpless before his might and mercy. The jewel of his kingdom is in our hands, newly burnished in barbarian blood. Oh, praise to God and his holy instrument, the army of Justinian, Belisarius in the east. His long-lost western children weep for joy at their heavenly father's bosom. His forlorn eastern children rejoice at their eternal mother's rescue. Every corner of our reforged realm, from the pillars of Hercules to the golden horn, will resound with the news. Rome is redeemed. Rome is reborn. And I, Procopius of Caesarea, am blessed by God to witness this day. <laughs> that makes me laugh, man. That makes me, I love that, man. I once went to, like, Shakespeare's theater, you know, like, yeah. um, I guess it's called the Folgers in D.C. Yeah. It was a friend of mine, um, and 
my wife was out of town, you know, his significant other was out of town. So it was like we went on a date, you know? And he took me to like some Shakespeare stuff. I hadn't been to any live Shakespeare, probably in a generation or something like that. Yeah. And it was like something I, I didn't even know I was missing it. And <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is super cool. And I was just like listening to the caliber of actors and everything in Washington, D.C. You know, I was like, these cats are pro level. I thought they'd be amateurs. And I, yeah. I'm just saying, when you read your your passage, you know, Miculous, whatever, your reenactment, your enactment, I felt like the that stage event again, you know, like like it's something <laughs> I was missing. And so that's cool, man, that you can create stuff like that. Well, you know, I mean, for every one of these characters, I mean, I have their voice in my head. I know how they sound. It informs how they look, how they speak. For anyone out there, now maybe you thought you were an actor, you thought you were a playwright, or you thought you could do graphic novels. I say go check out a very good one for yourself and see how it's done. It's Amiculous. It's on Kickstarter. And if you can't spell Amiculous, because I couldn't before, A-M-I-C-U-L-U-S, A Secret History Volume 1. We'll have links for it on djgrandpa.com. As always, dude, thank you for giving DJ Grandpa a chance, man, because this was a lot of fun, and I, I really wanted to be part of your project. Feelings mutual. Thank you. Hi, my name is Max, and ever since I was a little kid, I've loved to build things. The project that I'm currently obsessed with is designing a coil accelerator. On this project, I'm working with three other physics students from UC Santa Barbara. Although there are a lot of YouTube videos that feature these homemade coil guns, How are you, Max? I'm doing good. Now let's see, you have the complete guide to coil accelerators on Kickstarter. Huh. Yeah, that's right. It's not just you. You're not by yourself. You come with a team, and I love teams this year. I preach teamwork. <laughs> what is it like for you guys? And from which college again? UC Santa Barbara, because I don't want to get it right. Because I last time I got it wrong, and you kind of got upset with me when I got it wrong. <laughs> That's understandable, but you know, there's no malice in it. There are four of us. We're all undergrad physics students at UCSB, and yeah, like you said, the teamwork is great. We all kind of have our specialized roles. Give me some names. Who's on the team? All right, so Ethan Nadler. Right. He just really loves uh, the theory and like math behind this project. So he does all our like really complicated calculations, and that's really important because you know that's how we know right. like how we're going to improve the design. Is it on a whiteboard like they do in the old movies, or is it like one of those um, three-dimensional type of hologram type things like they do on the, <laughs> on the new movies? No, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> He prefers a chalkboard. Okay, all right. And then uh, Jacob Hines, he just has really, really good attention to detail. So, you know, he always catches whatever mistakes I make, and he's really good at putting things together and making them, you know, make sure they work properly and look good. Okay. And then Aaron Simon, his specialty is really the machine shop stuff. Like, he knows what all the tools do, and he knows, like, you just ask him to do something, and he'll like, oh, yeah, you need this, this, and this, and then he'll just get it done for you right away. Now, what's your specialty, though? Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm just leading the project. I you came just up tell with people idea. what to do? <laughs> Boss man? No, I mean, we all we all bounce ideas off each other. To me, this feels kind of wily coyote-ish, you know, like coil accelerators and all of that. 
atomizers, you know, Acme Incorporated, stuff like that. Yeah. I know it's not. But is there a practical purpose you could use this for? Or is it just pure, like, evil genius type science? Well, at this point, it kind of is pure evil genius type. It's just a really fun thing to make and, you know, have and know that you've made. Like, these coil guns are featured in lots of sci-fi stories or, like, games like Halo, StarCraft, and Fallout. And like you see in the games, what people have theorized they can do. But at this right. point, they're not at that level, which is, you know, the research and development part of our project. That's what we're trying to get it to. Okay, I've been playing around, which I do all the time. So maybe you should explain what a coil accelerator is. At the simplest level, it launches a magnetic projectile with current running through a wire with electricity. Now, when... People first started making these. They used a capacitor as the power source. Right. And what they did was try to, you know, make the biggest capacitor they could possibly find and, and you know, dump all the power into a single coil. And it was kind of like an old-fashioned cannon where, you know, they would just hit it as hard as they could and get it to fly as far as possible. And then people started experimenting with, uh, you know, like, what if I put more coils? Like, what if I put three in a row or four in a row? And then... I can, you know, fire them all as the right. projectile moves down the barrel. And then that gets much more powerful. And that got really expensive because, oh. you know, you have to buy these huge capacitors for each coil and then fire them all in a row. And then people were like, oh, you know, I want to use a battery to, to power it instead. And recently, like the kind of batteries that you use in an RC helicopter, which, you know, they have to output a lot of electricity. Those drones, yeah, they're everywhere, man. So with this battery design... You just need one power source because the battery doesn't care, you know, which coil it is like a capacitor does. So it'll just handle them all. And I highly recommend your listeners to go check out some links on our Kickstarter. And we have some links to YouTube videos that are other coil guns that people have made. And they just look really cool. So just get psyched about it. <laughs> you told me that there's some guy who's kind of like your hero as far as YouTube who kind of changed the game as far as these coil accelerators. We've studied this guy's project a lot. His name is Jason Murray, and he was kind of the first one. He he just made a really nice looking with tools at home, which was really impressive. Right. But he made a really nice looking, you know, fully automatic, even with a with a magazine that he made from scratch. It's almost sounding like a gun, but I'm trying not to characterize it as a gun. I mean, would I be yeah. wrong? Is it a gun? It really is not powerful enough to do damage to people. But okay. All right. Yeah, it may look that way, <laughs> well, but it's, I, right. it's, it's I, I really just, a toy. I didn't want to be dishonest, but I was like, I don't know enough to say it's a gun or not a gun. I say it's a projectile weapon, but it may not even be a weapon. It could be just a projectile launcher, but I, you know, I don't know what's, you know, I don't know where the minutiae ends. So. We don't advise people, you know, shoot each other with it, but No, no, it's... no. Safety first. Wear goggles yes. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, no, I'm not trying to get people to be barbarians or whatever, or, or to protect <laughs> themselves with a coil gun. They're not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, now I see in one of the videos on your page, they're shooting at plexiglass or some sort of plastic polymer type material. Yeah, it was just a little plastic container, you know, that held some uh, held some wires for okay. redboards. And we just wanted to see if it could break that, and it definitely did. Is there anything that like you test on that is kind of maybe fun? Like, would it be out of line if I were to test it on a stuffed animal? If I were to put a stuffed animal <laughs> in a box? There will definitely be that some of that in the future. 
and uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, and our our backers can even request things that they want to see us test on. Right. Okay. Because I'm using the word shoot, and it's really like test, uh, project upon to see the effects <laughs> of the system. <laughs> exactly. The main point that I really want to get across is you know the value of doing this project yourself. I'm someone who doesn't learn that well from textbooks or from lecture. And before this, I had no electronics experience, like circuits experience. And I'd only studied, you know, electricity and magnetism in class. But doing this project, everything has just become so much more clear. And because I'm like a hands-on learner, so it's just been invaluable to me in that way. And uh, I want to make sure that people know that even if, you know, even if you don't have much experience, that's what we're trying to provide is, is this guide that will help you along the way. And uh, you can also, you know, get the benefits from it like we did. And maybe we're not doing your project justice because I'm asking you these questions, but I'm, I'm not kind of telling the full scope of it. It's not just so you guys can learn. It's also an asset to make this information readily available for those who are DIY people themselves, do-it-yourselfers, and they may want to build a coil accelerator. So your project also has tiers where people can get parts from you, I believe, and as well as the knowledge on how to build their coil accelerators. This project, as fun it is, is uh, as it is, it's not you know realistic for a lot of people just because of all the time they have to spend constructing the coils and and they may not even have the tools they need, you know, right. to make their steel projectiles or all that stuff. So we're offering little starter kits that are actually, you know, almost the complete coil accelerator. All you have to do is hook up the circuits, like order a few electronics right. and hook them up. You know, like all that will be in the guide of how you can do that with our kits. When we spoke before, you were talking about how sometimes you may not have access to all the tools that you may have at your shop at U.S. Santa Barbara, so this would also give you guys a chance to improve upon the design by being able to get tools of your own. Every video we've seen and everybody who's into the into the development of these coil guns, we haven't really seen anyone look at the electronics and how it behaves electrically. And right. we have oscilloscopes available to us in the lab and seeing exactly what's happening instead of, you know, just the effects of what's happening. Right. That really helps us pinpoint where the design flaws are and then change that. I think the real question is, what type of person would a coil accelerator be for? Like maybe if I don't know the science that much, but I wanted to buy one for someone, or if I mm -hmm. was someone's parent or something like that, what would the type of kid that a coil accelerator would be for? This is for, you know, like the kid who started out, you know, really little and he always saw the, the Nerf gun and like laser tag commercials on TV. Right. And he was like, yeah, mom, I want that for Christmas. Get that, get that. And then you get older, you get kind of bored of it. Maybe, maybe he made a, uh, a like a potato launcher. And this is like the next step up from that. It's, it's uh, like real electronics, real physics directly implemented into, you know, really fun toy. I just wanted to know, like, how could the common person use such a thing? Yeah. <laughs> now, if you're out there, and like I said, maybe you need a little mischief, you know, maybe a little bored and you need something to do, and you're kind of handy with electronics, or you want to be, check out the Complete Guide to Coil Accelerators on Kickstarter. And if you can't find it there, we'll have plenty of links for it on djgrandpa.com. Max? 
thanks a great deal for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> you want to try it there? I mean, if I can get it back to six, okay. <laughs> if I can get it back to six volts. I felt like when I had it at 10 volts, it, um... Remember, we are the crowdfunding channel, and we cover the globe. In the fall of 2008, the world financial system nearly fell apart because of the incompetence and instability of the banking system. Hello, how are you? How are you? How do you pronounce your name, dude? Torsten. Torsten. Hey, where is that derived from? Uh, that's actually, I think, a Norwegian or Scandinavian name, but I'm German. Oh, okay, you get around. All right. Now, this whole Bitcoin thing, man, um, Torsten, you know, I love conspiracies, man, but it makes you out to be like a real documentary. I didn't know the scope of what it actually was when I first started talking to you, you know? I, I started watching your videos more, and then I watched the one of the guy who's supposed to go to jail. Well, who's always waiting to go to jail, I guess I'll put it that way. It's amazing, man. Why don't you tell me this story, man? Unravel this story for me. It's very difficult for us to think about money in different terms because we're so used to governments printing money and that's what we use. And the US right. dollar is the world's reserve currency. But if you look at it historically, and that has not always been the case, governments have not always controlled money. And there's an, enough evidence to suggest that governments are not doing a good job managing money. In right. fact, all governments all throughout histories have always screwed up currencies because they've started to print more and more of it. Back in the days, it was kings, you know, that, that wanted to finance their wars or whatever. And nowadays, it's the Federal Reserve and, and other central banks who, who print more and more money. So I think now people start to realize, hmm, maybe our dollar isn't as good as it should be, and right. people are, are looking for alternatives. And I think at, at that exact right time, uh, Bitcoin came about. And you're absolutely right. I was very skeptical at first too. Everybody is. But the more you look at it, the more curious you get. And then that's kind of my journey. And a lot of other people feel the same, I guess. Yeah, but I didn't know we were on this journey towards governments not controlling money. I mean, I don't know what I thought. I just thought... When will we get to the days of Star Trek money? That's literally what I thought. And then when I watched your film, I didn't even know enough to pose the question of governments not controlling money. I didn't know my history, as you put it. And that's what makes it kind of clandestine. I mean, in your actual footage from the documentary, who's the gentleman who's awaiting, always awaiting prison? That is Bernard von Nothaus. He's a American citizen who started right. to create his own currency uh, backed by gold and silver. Right, and the gold the standard. Something like that. But the government didn't like it because it, it was a, a competition to the US dollar. And the US dollar gets inflated away every year a little bit, whereas right. gold and silver tends to appreciate. So yeah, they confiscated all his gold. Like and, and tons put him of into, gold. Yeah, I think 11 tons. Very scary stuff. You know, I teach my children, but you're almost making like my little history lesson with my children is wrong. I teach them that governments are to control their borders, they're to provide services for people. And no one can go against the government in a manner of speaking because they feel as though they control all the cards and maybe they do. But you're talking about this whole Bitcoin thing that you're almost casing as a revolution, that that's not even true. They, you know, that they would go after 
a gentleman, that they would go after a company, that they would go after any competition to the control of money. That is a bit scary. And um, actually looking back um, 80 years, so in 1933, right. the U.S. government seized all gold from citizens. So um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he basically said, um, guys, you can't have gold anymore. You have to give it all to the government. And that's when Fort Knox was built and all the right. citizens' gold was put in there. So, I mean, it's uh, scary stuff. And, and I really like what you just said about Star Trek money because – we don't really care about the philosophy about how it works under the hood, right? We would just no. want to use some sort of mechanism to exchange value. And I think Bitcoin is very good at it. Maybe there's some better ways in the future. I don't know. But um, using Bitcoin is, is very, very convenient, I have to say. Your movie Bitcoin on Kickstarter right now, fundraising. What are the funds exactly for? The documentary budget as it stands at the moment is about fifty or $60,000. Right. And I have self-funded most of it via my company and my, my own funds. Yes, and this $10,000 via Kickstarter is sort of to help me finish it and to help to maybe hire a professional scriptwriter, maybe hire some professional music, you know, things like that. I like your trailer. I mean, you really um, teased, <laughs> teased <laughs> me in the trailer. I try not to be punny, but you really did do that. When I pushed play, I got far more than what I bargained for. Like I said, it's on Kickstarter. It's called Bitcoin, B-I-T-C-O-I-N, the end of money as we know it. We haven't done a good job of explaining what Bitcoin is, though. So could you give me, you know, like a snapshot? I can try. It's, it's <laughs> going to take me 50 minutes in a documentary to explain it. I know, but, but I if mean... not you, who? <laughs> um, it's a decentralized form of currency. That's right. maybe one, one way to see it. So no government is in control of it. No company is in, in control of it. It's decentralized and it sits on millions of millions of computers all over the world. So even if China bans Bitcoin, which it has done, that doesn't really matter. Nobody can stop electricity. Nobody can stop the internet. And that's that's mm. the way how to see it. So it's, it's not um, controlled by anyone. And that also means it can't be inflated away. Like I said earlier, um, the US dollars has lost 95% of its value in the last 100 years because governments print more and more of it. And Bitcoin is designed in a way that this doesn't happen. So actually, less and less gets created every year. But isn't this Anarchy 99 all over again? I mean, if no one control, <laughs> come on, if no one controls it, there are no police, if there are no, there's no cops. Mm. And that is one question, really, I want to have answered in my film when I talk to these people, because some of the people I interview, they are really hardcore anarchists, and that scares me. <laughs> but, but their point of view, they say, you know, it's not about not having rules. Right. It's about not having rulers, because humans are just very bad at it. You know, politicians, bankers, we can't trust these people. So why don't we put it in code, in software, in mathematics, so nobody can screw it up? I love what you're saying. I mean, I don't know if I like what you're saying, but I love, I, I love theorizing. So, but you're saying this is real, and so it's different than theory. And I do not wish to talk to the FBI again. So I don't know about talking to you, Torsten. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I guess, you know, the jury's out. This is still very early in, in Bitcoin's um, history. And 
what I would just like you and your listeners to have an open mind, because in the next few months and years, Bitcoin will come up in the newspaper, in the TV news, and there will be a lot of scandals, a lot of a lot of you know bad publicity about it. But actually, right. you know, the the science behind it, the technology behind it, is very solid, and the leading figures of Wall Street, the leading figures of Silicon Valley, are putting a lot of money into it. So there must be something in it, and and those guys are smarter than me. Yeah, they're always quoted as being smarter than we. But we bankrupt the world, man, in 2007, 2008, and nobody talks about it. So all of those analogies of smarter than we, all of those analogies of too big to fail, all of that changed overnight, man. I mean, the world is totally different than when I walked out the door in 2007 and and nobody talks about how the United States bankrupt the world. I don't know why. I mean, it's like they're giving us a pass and everything, and I believe our government's broke, and I believe... But you're not you're not in the U.S., so maybe that doesn't apply to you any. I think now the, the world economy is so connected that, you know, the you, you can't isolate one country. It's all too right. connected. But what you said is, again, you're spot on. And Bitcoin's um, first developers, they started developing this at the time when this crisis hit, at the time when the big banks were bailed out for trillions and trillions of dollars. Right. And the Congress uh, or Senate passed 700 billions overnight, you know, in, in like yeah, this kind insane. of inside job robbery. Yeah. That was when Bitcoin was, was created. So it's, it's directly related, man. All of those shell games are going on right now. And in America, there must always be a get-rich-quick scheme. There must always be one or two. And I don't know if crowdfunding is that new get rich quick scheme you know like it's supposed to be turned into a six billion dollar a year industry with reward crowdfunding but we passed all these laws for equity crowdfunding which everybody believes is going to be a 600 billion dollar a year industry does bitcoin factor into any of that i'm not sure whether it's directly related but i mean it shows that governments start to realize that innovation and technology is very important. It creates jobs. And this crowdfunding movement that is very much started in the U.S. is a perfect example of that. Um, so, And maybe just going back one more time, talking about money, what if things go bad? What if you know the whole world is bankrupt or the, the U.S keeps printing money. I mean, I have, I have a good example in my, in my film. That's um, the African country of Zimbabwe, right? Where right. you have a corrupt government printing more and more. And obviously, it's not a, not a big country, but they basically hyperinflated their currency away by printing too many. And, and now I give away those $10 trillion notes, <laughs> Zimbabwean tr <laughs> $10 trillion notes, as a Kickstarter reward. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, uh, your listeners have probably not heard of a campaign where you can become a millionaire or a trillionaire even. Hey, could you make me a trillionaire, man? I'll I'll be um, I'll be an uh, no. I don't know what type of ruler I'll be. I guess you can't say until you actually get the money in your hands. But I I guess I'll have to back you and find out. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm I'm very happy to send you uh, send you a note over tomorrow. No worry, just send me your post postal address. <laughs> you heard it, folks. He's almost like giving money away. You gotta back his program, and I've never had a campaign on to acknowledge this type of word. <laughs> so you need to back him for a few dollars here and there. He'll make you a trillionaire. And if you check out the trailer, man, it is an incredible trailer teaser i might say and if you check out the guy who's about to go to jail not to make light of that because i would not like to be in trouble with the feds they can be very nice and they can be very mean 
Let's put it that way. Torsten, man, the Bitcom, the end of money as we know it, B-I-T-C-O-I-N. This is an incredible story, and I, I'm so happy that you gave me a chance to be part of it, man. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. All the best, and uh, greetings to all your listeners, too. Um, thanks, and give me your email address and postal address, and I'll, I'll make you a trillionaire, mate. <laughs> That's the best offer all day. <laughs> Versus is a unique card game where there's two ways to play each card. Two sides face off in a race to score 100 points. And along the way, you're making your points, you're stealing points, and you're switching sides. How's it going, dudes? Uh, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going well, man. It's going well. It's good to hear your voices. <laughs> Likewise. Now, am I speaking to Craig, Gavin, and Shane? No, you're speaking to Gavin and Shane. Craig's being a loser tonight. He's MIA? Oh, no. <laughs> no, he had other places to be, so you're in good hands with us, too. You know that player video you have on your Kickstarter page? Yeah. Was Craig in that? Yeah, he was. Which one was he? Was he the guy who won or the guy who lost? I forget that one. He was the guy that lost. He was the guy that lost. Okay, yeah. man, I just finished watching that video, man, and that video upset me, man. It, it angered me, man. <laughs> I don't know which one was black and which one was white. It was kind of like the Jerry Seinfeld episode when they ate the black and white cookie and they couldn't get along. They got stomach aches and stuff. And so I was watching your player video and I pictured myself winning, like crushing the opponent. And all of a sudden, someone laid the all card on you, kind of like That's Rakim right. and paid in full. And then all of a sudden, everything reversed. I was like, what? And then all of a sudden, the other dude won. And I was like, come on here. Yeah, I was crushing them. <laughs> man, it got a little froggy for me, man. We hope that many people have the same reaction, honestly. <laughs> I've been on the other end of the beat stick myself where uh, I'm cruising to victory here and then uh, someone times a perfectly uh, laid reverses card, flips things around and then goes out with a score and you know I'm left thinking, man, I did all the work. You did nothing. I did all the work and you won. <laughs> that is a totally wickedly cruel game, man. Man, I would just get angry, man. I'm like whooping my oldest son or something. And all of a sudden he, you know, he's kind of shifty, man. And he pulls, you know, he pulls the all on me. And then now I can play an action card. So the action card that I'm gonna play on my turn is the reverses card. The reverses card, named after the game, uh, changes everything. It changes sides in the game. So Craig was playing white, now he'll play black. I was playing black, now I'll play white. I get his points, and then I'll turn my hand around so that the side that I'm playing is turned up. So now that we reversed, all of Craig's cards are mine, and all my cards are, are Craig's. I'm playing white now. I get the better deal. I'm now ahead in points. How do you I'm play this game? To begin, you either take from the draw pile or from the discard pile. Right. You can then make melds. A meld is exactly three cards, so either three 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 or like a three four five okay. like a set or a run now when you put those down if there's a matching meld that your opponent has then you can steal that and then you put those cards into your hand and then make other melds it's the first one to get over 100 points and at the end of your turn you just 
discard. Along the way, there's action cards, like you mentioned, the reverses card that switches sides. Right. There's wild cards that can substitute in for numbers. Uh, we've got uh, the wipeout card in there that, that makes everyone get rid of the cards in their hand and start over. Oh. It's a fun little game to just kind of go back and forth and have a lot of play, play interaction, have a little bit of fun, and right. start all over again. And you consider it to be a family-oriented game. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if, uh, if your family's sort of prone to sore losers, it might, <laughs> might be a tough game for your particular family, but in my family, it tends to work out okay. Why did you have to slip that in? I mean, I mean... I, I, I don't know. It, it, it sounds, like, uh, sounds like some families have a tough time with playing well together. <laughs> okay, yes, I am a little ruthless, I must admit. I, when I get into situations, I tend to make things go a little out of control. So just for you, we will create a crib action card, and uh, you can play this card, and you're just, game's over, everyone loves each other, we're all friends. <laughs> a timeout card, in essence. Timeouts do work, though. I've done it for all my children and my dogs, so it does work. What you didn't see in the How to Play video, though, was that was kind of using our promo deck. It, it, uh, goes over the very basic core fundamentals of the game. Right. But there's a number of action cards that we've added to the game since then that also messes with your opponent's hands, messes with what they have down in play. Right. There's a lot of uh, a lot of things you can do to get your buddy before he he tries to switch things around or, you know, vice versa, right? You know, right. you might be holding on to something that you want to switch around and, and you know, you can do things to, to steal cards from your opponent's hand. You call them action cards, but to me, they're almost like cliffhangers. <laughs> you get to a point and you think you're about the rally and then all of a sudden the rug can be pulled away, you know, underneath you or whatever. I guess that gives the game a certain flavor and it can make it fun. Maybe not for hotheads like me, you know, I might hold a grudge <laughs> or something, but, <laughs> but, but, but it, you know, I know we've already jumped into the interview, but let's reverse it a little bit. There we go. How did you guys think of this game? This is Gavin. It actually started when Shane came to me and wanted to do more of a collectible card game, sort of a, a more involved thing. And for me, that was super difficult. Those aren't the kind of games I was brought up on. I was, I was more playing cards and Right. Like Skippo, Rummy, Uno, right. those are the stuff I, I grew up on. So I, I came back and said, well, what if we took some of the aspects of the things he was talking about, because it was a lot of dark versus light in, in his original idea, and said, what if we did it this way, where it was, a, it was a more of a simplified game, but there was still this dual-sided card mechanic, which we feel is kind of a unique thing that makes it pretty special. This Shane, I had to agree with Gavin to a point. I'm a, a strategy and tactical gamer through and through. All my life I played yeah. strategy games, you know, games like Axis and Allies or um, Supremacy, uh, Diplomacy, but I too grew up on the type of games that Gavin was talking about. Right. Back then there was a, a transition from games like Uno and Skippo and those games to you kind of graduate into like the Monopolies or the Risks, you know, those type of games. Well, we wanted to modernize that bridge, right? Because the games of today, I feel, are more heavy in the competitive nature. There's a lot of strategy out there, a lot of great games out there. So we wanted a more modern bridge 
that people could graduate to and reverses the game that we came up for that. You're just rattling all of that off. You put a great deal of thought into it. I mean, I guess you put that much thought into any game. This is Shane. I want to say uh, about nine months in development right. for a game like Reversus. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our friends talk about making games and a lot of them just don't put the time in. Shane and I were working every week on this and things like that. I mean, this is Gavin. I was the designer for, for all the cards. So like all the colors and things like that, I thought that all out. I did a lot, a lot of mechanics, right? So a lot of the stuff that, that you said, I'm gonna rub my, you know, I gotta I get punch someone in the, in the face or drop in that reverses. Well, that comes from me. You can you can <laughs> virtually punch me in the face or for cards like that, right? But you're right, I'm a very competitive person. Now, I have to ask you guys, you guys gotta be above board. So tell me, is this game any fun? When I have friends that come over, that's one of the games they ask for first. Yeah, but they, they owe you money though. So they're no. kissing, I want a story. Tell me a story. Is there a story how this game is any fun? In my opinion, where Reversus really hits the mark is the time where you're in between games or you don't have a, you don't have a lot of time to lay out a big board game and, and play for 45 minutes to an hour, you know, or you just want to take a break from that kind of mind-heavy game, but you still want to get in there and, and do something. You don't want the game, as casual as it may be, to play it for you, right? right. So you have 10 minutes to, to play a game. Yeah, you're going to take out reverses. You're going to inflict as much pain as you can on your opponent, and that's it. The game, you had a ton of fun. Now you can move on to something else. Hmm. Now, Gavin, I may have rudely interrupted you, and I didn't mean that, you know, and Shane seems to have this reverses-type personality. Yeah. Always, <laughs> dropping the, always dropping the awe everywhere But one of those conflict cards he is. So, what's your story? When I saw the game being really fun was it had sort of reached, like, a mature stage and went to uh, PAX East down in Boston, which is a huge convention. You got like 9,000 people there. It was myself and Craig, who's uh, not here tonight, but we were just playing and uh, people were just walking by and saying, what are you guys doing? Because they could hear us getting heated at each other and you know talking back and forth and right. playing those action cards and people just wanted to stop and see the game and then play. And so we got a lot of people who wanted to play the, the game and like playing the game. They, they said, oh, this reminds me of the games I played when I was a kid. And I've known Shane for Seven years? Yeah. Eight years? Yeah, about that. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a while. So, I mean, we like this game because it's sort of representative of our relationship where we can sort of rag on each other and go back and let's start over. And I think this game is, is fun in the sense that it's a good mix of the things that I like, sort of the casual card games, and the, as sort of like the aggressive tactics, I'll say, is a nice way to put it, uh, that, that like Shane likes and, and mixing those up. For anyone out there, you're driving by Kickstarter, man. You got 10 minutes, 20 minutes to kill. You need a game. Reverses, R-E-V-E-R-S-U-S. A new Rummy-inspired game with a twist. And maybe I didn't get into the whole Rummy part enough, but I think if you go to Kickstarter and check it out for yourself, you can see that. They have a cool play video. And if you can't find it, always go to djgrandpa.com and we'll have links for, for Craig, Gavin, and Shane in their very cool game. And I might flip the reverses on you, so be careful. No, not the reverses. I might flip the all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having us on. Hey, thanks, man. I'd like to thank all our guests. I'd also like to thank 
our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's crew. Thanks to Jeffrey Banks, Bertrand Zeke, and Zach Samal, our assistant editors. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rufus. Thank you.